Morning Crypto. The Federal Reserve is neither federal, right? It's not federal. It's not owned by the government. It's not a government agency. It has no full faith and credit. Why would a system where over a 30-year period, half of your purchasing power disappears? Why would that be good? Since 1913, the Fed was created to create inflation. CPI is kind of a silly number. It's massively lagging. It really doesn't have anything to do with reality. From 1776 to 1913, a dollar was worth a dollar, right? Why is it called a dollar? We stole it from the Rothschilds yeah. in Holland. Yeah. Housing prices over the last year went up 40%, four zero in one year. Did my house get bigger? Did it grow? Did it get more efficient? Did it somehow get better? No, so it actually- I paid $4.99 for a gallon the other day versus 33 when I got my license. It's the same gallon of gas. <laughs> Well, it's not that the gas is better. It's that the dollar got worse. Here's the, the whole economy's collapse if you try to take that funny money, because it really is funny money. I mean, it's money created out of thin air. This front, three and a half trillion dollars with a T, trillion, three and a half trillion of wealth went from the average person to the elite class. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Billy, the chart analysis expert, and a good friend of the 3T family, a renowned crypto enthusiast and digital asset manager, but most importantly, not considered a maximalist in the space. Mark Yusko is here, ladies and gentlemen, so I am very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how there is an ongoing battle inside the SEC because according to Gary Gensler, Bitcoin is considered a commodity. We discuss what this could mean for other layer one cryptos. Ethereum's co-founder was caught shaking in his boots yesterday while explaining how Ethereum is not a security. As big banks around the world are jumping into the crypto space, we expose a new report highlighting how the largest banks on the planet are already involved. The SEC's Midnight Massacre is only beginning after ruling that Kraken staking protocol was considered an unregistered security. We ask our special guest to break down the details, showing our listeners how this is one step in the process of tokenizing everything. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we have a very special guest in, in the building this morning. But most importantly, we got some exciting news for our listeners. The SEC has began their attack, and I look forward to diving into that today. But before we do it, how you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Well, Abs, unfortunately, it's a sad day from that perspective, that news. But it's also a great day whenever Mark Yusko's in the house. I am certainly excited. Let me start this off like I always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs. We love you guys. We appreciate you showing up every single day. But before we hop into it, Mark, I got to ask you. What are you sporting down there? We got any special? Uh, you know, I, I I was hoping you'd ask. I was just getting ready to, to climb up. So, all right. So, Let me see I, what today. I, I, got, I got the red pants on today because blood is flowing in the streets. So, the yeah. rock child. That's appropriate. And, uh, down low, I have my uh, on-chain monkey Ooh, rise. Nice. I love it. So, I love it. Uh, I'm super psyched. It's the only full collection that's going to become an ordinal on Bitcoin. Uh, so, that's pretty exciting. And look, I think the on-chain monkey family is amazing. Uh, basically, institutionalizing karma is is awesome. 
So I'm a big fan. And, uh, and look, NFTs are the future. I mean, everything in the world, every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every piece of art, every collectible car, every case of fine wine, every private business, everything is going to be an NFT. Now, hopefully they change the name to yeah. digital property, right? Yeah. And get away from monkey JPEGs. But <laughs> that is, you know, what people forget is a token it's not a piece of gold. It's not a thing. It's an entry on a ledger, Boom. on a public, immutable, encrypted ledger that is superior in every way to the trust system that has dominated since the Rothschilds created 800 plus, well, the Medici's and the Rothschilds created 800 years ago. And that system is under assault by this incredible technology, this gift, literally gift from Satoshi et al., everyone who's been involved in, in this gift. And it's, it's interesting as I have the hashtag, right? Then they fight you. Right? We're in phase three. You know, first they ignored us, 2009 to 15, a bunch of nerds and geeks. Then yep. they laughed at us, okay? 2016 to 21, a ah, bunch of nerds and geeks with your magic internet money, whatever. Then they fight you and the fight is just starting. So it feels like it's been going on, but it's just starting and it's, it's getting ugly. That's why I'm wearing the red pants today because look, Goldman Gary and, you know, Carlisle Jerry are on a mission yep. and it ain't a mission from God, right? It ain't the blues brothers. It is the bash brothers and they are on a mission. That was pretty good. I just made that up. Yeah, they are on a mission to, they can't destroy crypto, mm. right? Because crypto is bigger than them. Mm. It is permanent. It is a permanent change in technology as we've talked about on the show. They can't stop it, but they can delay it. Mm. And they delay it using this hammer, this yep. club of regulation. Yep. And it's even crazier in that they're allowed, for some unknown reason to me, to rewrite the rules, right? You go into Kraken and you say, yeah, we said this wasn't a security, but now we're saying that by staking it and earning interest on it, you violated securities laws. <laughs> How did we do that? Right. You, 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 the rule maker said, it's not a security. And then I take that not a security and I lend it to somebody and get paid for its use. How is that a security? It's not an orange grove. It doesn't meet the Howey test. It, anyway, I digress. A hundred percent, Mark. And we're going to dive into that later in the episode. I'm very excited to talk about the SEC and some of the statements that Gary Gensler made yesterday. But before we dive into that, we got 233 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. Billy, I did not forget about you, my friend. So before we start this show and get into our topics, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Bro, bless. I'm anytime I can be here with you guys, but to have Mr. Yusko on here, man, it's a whole different level. So I'm kind of quiet, man. I'm just kind of taking back. I'm just taking all the knowledge. And I was watching all his videos last night and that's just... Bro, you, you're, it's amazing to be in your presence, man. You still, you give off the energy that Garland House gives off. So I have respect, man. I just, I love being on the show and the fact that you're here. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Mark. And I'm looking forward to taking notes during the episode. So if I look a little distracted, that is why. But we're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral fear this morning, sitting at a 48, down seven basis points yesterday after the news from the SEC. When we look Ooh. at some of our daily movers, Mark, those pants are fitting as we've got a red across the board today, but it doesn't surprise me with the news from the SEC. As we look at the total coin market cap, we are sitting at $1.01 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 41% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at $21,700. Ethereum, $1,500. XRP is $0.38. Cents. Cardano is $36. Matic, which has been steadily performing during the bear market, sitting at 129 and one of our favorites quant network this morning is down at 131 so johnny crypto before we go back to mark this morning is there anything that you're watching and is there any projects to stick out to you i know the ai wave has been taking storm this week yeah you know the ai wave certainly has and if you're if you're a smart investor you're not going to buy the tops you don't want to be buying these pumps right you want to kind of wait <laughs> dca and when it makes sense so abs you know actually i i have some of those but i was not getting fact you know, it was a good opportunity to sell some of it as, as you had a little bit of a pump if you wanted a dollar cost average in later. But uh, frankly, for me, you know, it's just going to be sitting here um, trying to stack my bags on quants. One of my favorite ones, as you know, and trying to get the opportunity to, to put some of that in there because we know the utility. And, you know, Ethereum's another one that to me is always a for me anyway, I look at that as a long term continuous uh, dollar cost averaging opportunity as well. So and there's so many other ones. We don't have enough time in the show to go through them all. But those are the two that, you know, for me right now, I like I like those two. Gary Gensler is in the live chat. In case you didn't know, Mark, he is a frequent listener of our show. So you're mm. speaking directly to Gary right now. And we're about to dive into an article as Gary Gensler is embarking on a midnight massacre in an attempt to bring all of crypto under the SEC's control. In the coming weeks, the SEC and several other United States organizations will be bringing a myriad of enforcement action against exchanges. And we've been talking about this for quite a while, Mark, but you referenced it on our show, I believe, eight months ago for the first time. You said from 2022 to 2027, this is the fight you staged. So maybe you can explain that to somebody who hasn't heard it before. And what do you feel about the news we got yesterday cracking on registered securities? Yeah, look, and um, you know, it, it, it is the old Gandhi quote that, that Gandhi actually didn't say. It was somebody else. And I wish I remember who it was. But, you know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, but then you win. And I keep saying this, that yes, 09 to 15, they ignored us. 16 to 21, they laughed at us. 22 to 27, they're going to fight us. Yes, they're going to fight. They're going to fight hard. Why? Because blockchain technology will do to financial services what the internet did to media and commerce. All of the old guard traditional institutions that had all the wealth and all the market cap in commerce and media migrated into Web 1 and Web 2. That just happened. And they fought it and they tried to pass regulation to stop it. You know, the telcos, it's an amazing story that in um, back in the, in the 90s, the, the telecommunications companies were the two largest donors to political candidates through lobbying, which is a fancy term for corruption. Uh, you know, it's funny. In all, in all other countries, it's corruption. Yeah. When we You're do right. it in the United States, it's lobbying. Well, oh, yeah. It's much more professional. It's yeah. And, and so, and everyone says, you know, Al Gore says he invented the internet. Well, he didn't invent the internet, but he did save the internet. Because what he did 
was you had these telephone companies that did not like the fact that like right now, we are using voice over internet protocol mm. to communicate in real time in HD for free. Exactly. And back then in the early 90s, like I'd call my, you know, girlfriend long distance and hey, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Two and a half hours would go by. My mom would come in and say, what are you doing? That was $300. Cool. And the telco telephone companies love that. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't want it to be free. And the internet was like, no, it's gonna be free. So they tried to pass a bill or pass a law that would ban voice over internet protocol. And Al Gore stepped up and said, nope, we are not even gonna vote on this bill. So he didn't invent the internet, but he was actually a pretty important guy. And mm. so what, what people forget is this is how every incumbent deals with disruptive innovation. Throughout all of history, this is how incumbents try to slow down the, the progress. And, and look, I, I don't want to go too deep into this because it's, it's, it was funny. I was, I was in this, I was at this conference yesterday in New York and I gave this talk and, and I, they kind of baited me to go down my theory on this whole FTX debacle and, and how Gary got his job and, and why you know, he worked for Caroline's dad and all this stuff. Yep. And, and I realized it's probably not in my best interest mm -hmm. to criticize the people, one, who regulate me, and mm -hmm. two, like who could make bad things happen. Yeah. So um, I think it's well documented that there's a whole bunch of things that, that don't quite add up in that, look, Sam Bankman-Fried is the mastermind of nothing. Mm -hmm. He is not a genius. Nope. He is not the guy who created this, you know, quote unquote, second largest. No, just not. He, he is not the mastermind of anything. He is a useful idiot for a much larger group, mm -hmm. which I will contend comes from way up high to try. And I use the word try because they can't win. Because the fourth line of the quote, then you win. We already won. Anyone who is in crypto, we have already won because we see the future. There's this video I, I tweeted out earlier of Steve Jobs in 1981, okay, when I was graduating from high school. Hmm. Steve Jobs saying that we create, we're creating a tool to enhance the human experience by taking the drudgery out and automating it, hmm. right? That's what computers do, right? They're yeah. as smart as a screwdriver, right? They're not smart. This whole, you know, artificial intelligence, they're not actually intelligent. It's the programmers that are intelligent, mm. the content that's intelligent. The computer is just a tool and it makes drudgery and things that, that are slow really fast. Correct. And so doing calculations, it's way faster. Making chess moves, it's way faster. And actually today is the anniversary of when Big Blue or Deep Blue beat Kasparov in chess. Mm. So yeah, that was a big deal, but it's because they can process faster. It's not because they're smarter, it's because they can right. process faster. And, and the point is that technology or that what, what, what um, Jobs was saying is the future is there if you can have vision. And my, my addendum to the, the video was, look, talent is hitting the target no one else can hit. Genius is hitting the target no one else can see. 
Mm. The cool thing about being in crypto is you actually see the target. Mm. It's one thing to, to see that the, the talent, the amount of talent that has migrated into crypto is like no other migration of talent I've ever seen in my lifetime. And look, I'm, I'm old. You know, I have been around for a lot of cycles. I've seen incredible talent migrate into the internet, into the mobile net, build businesses that are worth hundreds of billions, now trillions of dollars and benefited from that. But for our clients, but the, the key is that this migration of talent the people that I hang out with every day is extraordinary. And it's because they see this target. They see this future. They see this vision where every thing of value, all $700 trillion of value in the world will all be transferred on blockchains. It won't be databases running on COBOL, Visa today. It won't be databases running on C++. It will be on blockchains. And it will be public, it will be encrypted, it will be immutable, it will be, we will erase $7 trillion of wasted value that the financial services renters capture and get really rich at our expense. And we're going to talk about inflation later and all the other ways that they steal from us. But that is one way that financial institutions steal from us. Like if I want to send Johnny money, Right? He has to have a bank account. I have to have a bank account. They charge me a fee to make the wire. Are you joking? I hit a button. I send in Bitcoin or some other. Even yeah. worse, Mark, sometimes you'll ask permission to send your money and they'll say, no, that's too large of an amount or we can't. Oh, get abs. Right now. Oh, my God. No abs. <laughs> that is that is a personal pet peeve. Right. When I when I first opened, you know, we're investors in Coinbase and, you know, love that that team. And and bizarre, you know, you, you you're, you're not a maxi then. Like, look, there's traditional finance, there's centralized finance, which is a step on the way to decentralized finance. And yes, I believe in a future where everything is decentralized and everything is peer-to-peer. -peer. I believe that, but not tomorrow. So yeah, we need centralized finance as a bridge to DeFi. But uh, when I tried to open my, my uh, uh, Coinbase account, Bank of America said, that will be 14 days. Like, what are you talking about? Well, we have the ability to delay that transfer because by the way, it, it, you forget it's, it's our money. It's not mm. your money. You have an mm. IOU, mm. which is good most of the time, but it's not your money anymore. It's our money. So look at our balance sheet. It's right here on our balance sheet. That's so right. 14 days. I'm like, what do you mean 14 days? Like, didn't you read the fine print? Of course I didn't read the fine print. No one reads the fine print. <laughs> exactly. And then the other one was um, I'm helping my brother with a construction project and I wanted to transfer money from one Bank of America account to another Bank of America account. Okay. I wasn't even trying to go out into crypto. Hmm. $25,000 limit per day. Couldn't even do it. So, so no, so, the, so then, so then I, I said, okay, fine. I did my three days. They're like $75,000 limit per week. A week. <laughs> oh my God. What are you talking about it's, it's my money that I'm gift, that I'm putting into the economy, right? He's yeah. building a house yeah. that will make. I, 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 I anyway. So yeah. try doing that on a Saturday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and so sum of money, take a large sum of money and try to travel across the United States. Exactly. Okay. No, Billy, that's such a great point, right? And and look, I get why the banks are so afraid, and they should be afraid.
because money is power and money has always been power. And you know, it's funny. Remember when um, uh, Jamie Dimon was at WEF a couple weeks ago? Yep. Mm. And uh, you know, he, he's on with Joe Kernan and, and he's pounding on Bitcoin saying it's a Ponzi scheme yep. and, and it has no value. And, right. and everybody was all mad. And they're like, oh, I can't believe he says, I'm like, no, celebrate. Think mm. about this. That is one of the most powerful people in the world. You may yep. not like him, but you cannot argue that the head of one of the largest banks in the world is one of the most powerful people in the world. You cannot yep. argue that, okay? Bingo. The fact that he had his 10 minutes of fame at WEF and he chose to talk about Bitcoin <laughs> is a really good thing. And it appears, no, no, no. Joe Kernan baited him and no, no, no. Media training, guys. When you someone asks you a question, you deflect and redirect. And you talk about what you want to talk about. Right. He chose to talk about Bitcoin. Why? Because it's in his best interest to piss on Bitcoin mm. and piss on everything else so that he can develop internally the front end that people trust that will then allow them to take over, which is actually why XRP actually has a really potentially big role now again i, I don't think they've won yet but what, no no I'm, I'm serious all right coming to the eggs if, if you think about there is a world and i don't like this world actually but there is a world where right. jp morgan et al continue to reign hmm. but they realize that the back end needs to be crypto yep. and therefore they need a firm like and it could be XRP, it could be Cardano, it could be a bunch of other things and a bunch of other. So, but it's it's why there is a path to it being a really, really, really valuable. You know, Bitcoin has a different path, right? It's, it's digital gold. Eventually it can be a transaction rail. Um, Ethereum has a different use, but, you know, XRP, once it gets through the lawsuit and once, and if it can partner with the banks and the banks embrace a digital future. I don't know. You're spot on, Mark. Let me ask you a question here because some interesting news came out earlier this week from Bank of America setting that they were currently working on two projects to build a central bank digital currency. Now, obviously, they referenced one of our favorites, Ripple, within this article. But what stuck out to me is I did a little bit of research on Bank of America. Bank of America owns the Bank of England. They're an extension of one another from what I understood. Maybe you can speak a little bit more to that and why that's so optimistic for American markets, even though it's starting in London. Yeah. So again, it's, it's all like this abs. And here's the thing. The reason I'm wearing the red pants, right? It was Lord Rothschild who said, you know, you should buy when the blood is running in the streets, even if it's your own blood. And what people don't understand and appreciate, right? We all spend dollars, right? Why are they called dollars? Well, because the Dutch had something called the Reichsdollar, and we copied the Bank of England, which was a copy of the uh, Netherlands National Bank, which was the first central bank in 1607, run and created by the Rothschilds to fund their wars so they could take over France, which they did. And the Netherlands had the world reserve currency for 80 years. The Netherlands? I mean, it's like this big. I mean, there's how many people they have. It's, but they had the world reserve currency because the Rothschilds created 
this central repository to create money. So they could print money out of thin air for the first time. And so half the Rothschilds went to the UK and they created the Bank of England. And then uh, when we split off, right, we, we became a republic in 1776 and we had no central bank. So what did we do? Well, we chartered the first national bank. So we had the first national bank and had 20 year charter and that went on. And then we chartered the second national bank. And so 40 years came and Andrew Jackson said, chop that song. These banks, these, these banks, they're owned by the Rothschilds and all these European uh, families. No, no, we're going to be American. We're going to split off. So we're going to create uh, the free banking era, which was an unmitigated disaster. So there was no central bank and we had a giant depression, literally depression in the 1840s. And then we got through and recovered in the 1880s and had the boom and the railroad boom. And then in 1900s, uh, we had, we, we did another central bank um, in the late 1800s and we had the central bank and basically JP Morgan was in charge. And then we passed a law that allowed uh, competitors, trust companies to form. And there was a company called Knickerbocker Trust and Knickerbocker Trust was taking deposits out of JP Morgan's bank. And he was famously quoted saying, I like a little competition. I don't, I don't really like the fact that. So he spread a rumor that Knickerbocker Trust was insolvent. And if you Google run on the bank, you'll go to the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page and the picture of the guys in their suits and the women in their you know, dresses and the umbrellas you know, running for the bank. That was the Knickerbocker bank run. And so magically, John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan stepped up and said, we will personally guarantee the banking system, literally like Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. And they took over the Knickerbocker Trust for pennies on the dollar, exactly what FTX tried to do with BlockFi and Celsius and Voyager, exactly. But again, that wasn't Sam, that was dad and mom, but we'll come back to that. Um, so that happened. Well, then what happens? So then from 1907 to 1913, Amory Aldrich, who was John D. Rockefeller's father-in-law, because, you know, married him off to wealthy people. That's how they, they did it, these arranged marriages. And uh, they were best, you know, John D. Rockefeller and, and J.P. Morgan were besties. And they cooked up this plan called the Amory, I mean, the Ald I'm sorry, the Aldrich plan, Amory Aldrich, to create the central bank, the Fed. Now, you cannot make this up. They convened at Jekyll Island, right? The creature from Jekyll Island. I mean, you literally couldn't make that up. And they hatched this plan to create the bank. And the bank was created by the banks, owned by the banks, which were owned by European families. So we're back to being owned by the Rothschilds and everybody else. And the only goal of, this, of the Federal Reserve is to steal wealth from the masses to give to the rich guys. That's, that's why we have 2% inflation, right? Because every 30 years, that takes half of your purchasing power away and gives it to the people at the top. It's not federal. It has no reserves. Its job is not to control unemployment, all this stuff they talk about. It is to steal wealth through this thing called inflation. Anyway, I digress.
100% Mark and Johnny, I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. We have an interesting breakdown on why inflation is 2%, but we got 327 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And guys, if you want us to ask Mark Esco anything specifically, put those questions in the live chat and we'll filter through them. Maybe we'll pick a special question from the live chat to address today. But Mark, I wanted to play a video released just yesterday of Gary Gensler explaining what the SEC is trying to do in protecting United States investors. And we can say... <laughs> yeah, and we can debate whether he's telling the truth, but we're going to let the short clip play and go back to the group here. Here we go. Let me ask you talking about clarity. This is maybe a philosophical sort of broader policy perspective. I think that there is a common view uh, that your office is using uh, all available means effectively to keep crypto out of the mainstream financial system through enforcement, accounting rules, inspections. Clearly, there's not real guidance yet on custody. And this may very well be a reasonable policy choice, if that's the choice. The question is, if that's the choice, why not just say it publicly? We're using all available tools. We're talking directly to market participants. We take Mark, I want to pause the video there because I found something even more interesting yesterday from somebody I like to listen to, Patrick Bet David. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his platform, but he does some fantastic interviews with some of the most prominent people on the planet. As I pull this interview up, he talks about how individuals were trying to work with the SEC and in response, they were being sent back blank documents. So while I pull that yeah. up in the background, I'm having trouble finding that tweet. I'd love to get some of your thoughts on the Gary Gensler video. We already know he labeled Bitcoin as a commodity. Look, I, again, I have to be very careful here because you know, I literally just got done with my SEC audit. Um, don't and, get yourself you know, in trouble. Got through don't get in trouble. <laughs> I, I will say that under Jay Clayton's leadership, hmm. I thought the SEC did an amazingly good job okay. in crypto regulation. They were consistent. They were prudent. They didn't jump in and make rash decisions. They studied, consistently said, nope, Bitcoin, Ethereum, not securities. These other things we need to check and compare them to the Howey test. Everything they did was very consistent. Gary comes in. Now, how did Gary come in? Get here. Gary was a professor at MIT. He worked for Caroline uh, William, whatever her last name is, um, Sam Bankman Fried's ex girlfriend's dad. Hmm. And Gary, with no experience, as a regulator, right? He worked at Goldman Sachs, but that doesn't make you an experienced regulator. It makes you a bankster, right? It's part of part of the cabal. Uh, not allowed to use the word cabal. Part of the 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 uh, cartel. Knights of Templar, I believe. I'm just <laughs> yeah, no, no, look. I, it's funny. I I did not know this, and I, I've used the word cabal for years, decades. And someone said, "Oh my God, you're anti-Semitic." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" So don't you know that's a trigger word for people of Jewish faith? I said. I didn't know that, and I'm sorry, so I won't use it anymore. I did not know that, um, and I looked it up, and it actually it actually is. They 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 don't like that word. So, uh, but then I said cartel. I'm just going to piss off the people down in South America. I think they're probably meaner. So I, I don't know. So anyway, um, a small group of people who control something. Um, bottom line is uh, the banksters have been in control, and look. Goldman people, ex-Goldman people run everything, right? They're prime ministers. They're the head of central banks. Okay, fine. So look, Gary gets the job. 
Now, is it a coincidence that he was appointed by the guy who was elected, who was funded the largest donor to Joe Biden was Sam Bankman Fried? Yeah. How is that impossible? Like, aren't there campaign finance limits that limit how much you, oh, wait, his mom created a tumbler that allows venture capitalists in Silicon Valley to skirt the campaign finance laws. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe. I don't know. Seems, seems not like a coincidence to me. So, so Gary gets the job. And Gary's very silent for his first few months on the job. And then suddenly he starts doing enforcement actions. Like you said, I'm going to use all tools. Okay, but isn't a positive approach to collaborate with the people in the industry and, and say, okay, here are the rules. And it doesn't appear that you're following those rules. So let's have a grace period for you to get in compliance with the rules. And if you don't, then I can do enforcement. Rather than just say, all right, there were no rules, but now we've set a rule. And so in the past you violated that rule, but, but it didn't exist. It's like, it's like the, the politically incorrect. If a man says something in the force, there's not a woman there to hear it. Is he still wrong? Right? So, yeah. Um, I hadn't heard that until today. That's funny, Mark. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, yeah, my, my wife hates it, but it, it's true. I mean, it's just true. Um, so, I don't make a bad, bad feedback on that one. But <laughs> I distracted um, you there. But Mark, really quickly, before I kick it back to you, this was the video I was looking for. And this is one of the most prominent lawyers in the XRP community, but also in the entire crypto sphere. John Deaton was doing an interview with Patrick Bet David talking about how Ripple tried to get compliance from the SEC. And I'm sure our listeners can see this clearly. This is a document where they blacked out every single word on the document. And they go through these later in the show. There's over 50 pages where every single word on the document, not even the names, every single word is blacked out with a black okay. highlighter. So what do you think that means when Gary Gensler says, we're operating with the people in this industry yet, giving them blank sheets of paper? No, come on. I mean, redacting every single word. It, it, the spirit of collaboration would lead to a positive outcome. Right. I mean, if, if you ask me to cooperate or collaborate, I will try to help. I mean, I actually I'm actually grateful. We actually have that relationship with the team that came to us to do our audit with the SEC. We we helped educate them. I spent lots of time walking them through. We're not investors in FTX. We had no investment in FTX. And, and so they're like, well, can you can you help us understand? I'm like, sure. And I spent hours telling it. But. Technically, they didn't have any jurisdiction because I didn't have an investment there. But it's, it's not in my best interest to, to make them angry. So helping in a spirit of collaboration is one thing. But there's a reason one of the uh, board members of the SEC, I don't know if you're a board member or what, her, her, what the title is, directors, yeah. but Hester Pierce, um, uh, she didn't abstain, she dissented. Yep. She dissented, right? She said, I disagree again with, you know, my fellow, and, and he is the chairman, like he's the head, but, you know, she, the commissioner, she's a commissioner. So I disagree with my fellow commissioner uh, that what he's doing is, is positive. And regulation through enforcement has, has always been less productive than regulation through collaboration. And so 
I don't know. I'm, I will argue that perhaps it's possible that um, positive outcomes are not the desired goal. Johnny, I'm going to give you the floor there because, Mark, you did that so gracefully. I think Gary Gensler would be proud. But, Johnny, I'd love to get some of your thoughts here before we dive into our next news. We are going to show our, our listeners a video of our good friend Mark Yesko talking about the tokenization of everything. But I'd like to get some of your thoughts on the Hester Pierce we had news we had yesterday. She came out and disagreed, disagreed and dissented from Gary Gensler and the SEC when it came to the Kraken news. And Mark just explained how important that is. What does it mean to you, Johnny? It tells me she's the only one in the SEC that's got a real set of balls. You know, good for her to come out. Good for her to come out, you know, to go against your boss and everybody else and tell it like it is and to stand up. And she's been very, very consistent in this. And the reality is, you know, Mark touches. I like to go deep down the rabbit holes. And when I look at stuff like this, the reality is, look, we all know we're not stupid people. We all know that cryptocurrency in general and blockchain technologies are far advanced technology that's going to move everything forward. We can also see that the U.S. has put the brakes on it. Okay, let's let's just call it what it is. We, you know, the SEC, if they wanted to advance this forward, they wouldn't be operating the way. You know, we know what happened with Ripple. Remember, what did Brad say? They went one time, two times, three times, four times, five times. They went to the SEC to work with them to try and get, you know, to get the technology. And what did they get for it? Pow, they got slapped with a lawsuit. So you can't come out and say, we want to work with you when companies go in and work with you and they come out the other end and they get a lawsuit put on them. That tells you right there, you just look deeper down and you say, do they really want to work with us? No, they don't. Not yet. And I want to go back to something Mark said back, I think, in the 90s when the telecoms were going through the same industry. What I think is happening, this is just my gut, and I, I'm curious of what Mark thinks on this, but to me, it feels like you got a group of folks that are in charge, right? And they're printing money and they love that, right? And like the telecoms were in, like the banking industry does. Then something comes along that threatens it. And then they realize, well, first, can we kill it? Okay, if we can't kill it, well, then how do we make sure we get a piece of it? And I think that's what we're seeing right now. I think they slow things down to get to the point to figure out how do we wrap this around and get our claws into it so that then when it makes money down the road, we're getting a good chunk of that. And I really think, Mark, that's what's happening right now is they've it's come up. It's threatening them. They can't kill it. As you said, it's almost impossible to kill. So it's like, okay, well, let's slow this beast down, wrap our heads around it. We'll tell everybody it's bad. We'll go invent in the background. And then when we've got it laid out, then we'll tell everybody how great it is. I think that's what's happening here. But I'm curious of your 100%. Thoughts. No, 100, 1,000%, 1,000%. And, and again, that, that is logical, right? I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge what the banks are trying to do. Right. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched um, the, uh, the series, Mr. Robot. I mean, I hate to even admit that I watched it because it's it's like kind of gross and, and and extreme, but so incredibly well written. I mean, and, and I would be a lot wealthier had I watched it in real time because I would have become such a crypto maxi and a Bitcoin maxi had I watched that in, you know, 15, 16, when it first came out instead of watching it last year. Um, Cause it would have, it, it's so amazing. We're written an evil corp is JP Morgan, right? <laughs> Let's just, it, it is. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. you know, it, it, they have their own token, like JP Morgan coin. And exactly what Johnny said, the, the banks realize that this technology is inevitable. And, and look, it's not, 
I'll give you a give real life example. So we have we had a situation where we had a, a client. This is crazy client in Australia, and we sent a, a email saying that we were going to make a wire transfer, and there that hacker in their system who was monitoring their email. And as soon as they saw an email with the word wire transfer, it sent us an email spoofed that said, these are my new wire transfer instructions. I mean, it was unbelievable like that this hacker was inside their system waiting. So we sent the money and then the guy said, well, I didn't get the money. And we find, so we find out there was a hacker and we call the bank and say, well, can you help us, you know, track the money down so maybe we can get it back. And they're like, we lost the swift message. Like, what do you mean you lost the swift message? And it's because it's 70 year old technology. It, it, it's a system that's broken and they're still trying to hold it together. And it's, you know, we've all done it, right? We've all taken that piece of coat hanger and tried to tie the thing together instead of getting it rewelded. And okay. you know, it's, it's, you know, Visa today, as we're sitting here, manages our lives using a mainframe computer running on COBOL. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's too expensive to upgrade. And, and, and reality is kind of a moat because no one knows how to hack COBOL, except they do. And occasionally they have to get a new number because your, your card gets stolen. But the funnier part was said, yeah, but you know, when it breaks, we got to turn on a red light at the Sunnyvale retirement home and some 80 year old has to come fix it, which is true because 80 year olds are the only ones who know how to code COBOL, like my dad. So I get the fact that Evil Corp, so to speak, doesn't want to lose control. And, and to Johnny's point, they will vilify all of this crypto, but then they'll say, oh, but blockchain on, on our rails is the answer. And I think, I think, that's what they're gonna say. I really do think that will fail, but it won't fail completely because there are people who trust uh, institutions. I'll give you kind of a sad one. Um, so my best friend uh, diagnosed with, with a brain tumor a number of years ago. Um, and he has passed away and, and, you know, God rest his soul and, and, and I think about him every day. But, but uh, we, you know, he went to the doctor. He went to the best hospital in the world, Duke, right, for brain tumors. And long story short, um, I asked about this, this new company that had been developed that had a treatment for uh, treating uh, glioblastoma. And it's a helmet that you wear and it, it makes current go across your brain. And, and actually they've had two patients live for 10 years. Average is 14 months. They had two patients live for 10 years. And, and the doctor says to me, he says, well, you know, that's no quality of life. I said, dude, you are focusing on the wrong word. You're focusing on quality. I'm focusing on life. I want my friend to live. And he said, nope, we're not doing that. We're going to do chemo. I'm like, well, God, chemo doesn't work because it can't go across the blood-brain barrier. I mean, that, that's dumb. That's just a waste. But because the doctor said it, the parents were from that generation. They trust the doctor. And it didn't work. And, and so anyway, but my point is why this is so inevitable is there are 85 million millennials, okay, 
Gen Y, Gen Z, and Gen A that will replace all us boomers. And us boomers aren't going to embrace this because we're old, right? We're just not going to embrace this. But the Zoomers are going to embrace. The Gen A's, this is amazing. The Gen A's, okay, the people who are being born now will never have a leather wallet that they carry in their pants with a credit card and, and money. They just won't. It will all be digital. It will all, I hope, a ledger, stacks, by the way, um, or something similar. And that's amazing. And so this will happen. And I, I, tell, I tell the story all the time. If you ask anyone, any kid, ask anyone over 35, who's your broker? Huh, UBS, Merrill Lynch, whoever. How much gold do you have? I don't know, three, four uh, percent. How much Bitcoin do you have? Oh, zero. Are you kidding me? It's a Ponzi scheme. How often do you use DeFi? What the hell is DeFi? Okay. Ask anyone under 35, who's your broker? What's a broker? I mean, I got a Robinhood account. How much gold do you have? Oh, are you kidding me? Boomer rocks? Haven't you heard that Peter Schiff guy? None. All right. How much Bitcoin do you have? I don't want to talk about it. Why not? Because it's like a really big percentage of my net worth. I'm kind of embarrassed. How often do you use DeFi? Every day. That digital divide is so inevitable, is so logical and rational. And the banks cater to us, right? My dad, right, 85 years old, my dad doesn't have an ATM card. He wants to go into the physical bank branch. I go, what? Why do bank branches even exist? Why do we heat and light and, 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 and bulldoze ground to make silly buildings where people sit. It's all electronic anyway. Dumb, dumb. Okay. But that generation knows bank branches and they know tellers. Okay. We don't need tellers. We don't need tellers. No tellers. So we're going to live in a world that's, that's very different. But that's scary for the people being disrupted. It's like this whole thing with AI. Everyone's like, oh, AI is going to eat all the jobs. Mm -hmm. The way robotics ate all the jobs and the way air travel ate all the jobs and the way cars, the horse's carriage ate all the jobs. You do realize we have more jobs in the world today than any time in human history. Despite all the jobs that have been lost to all the technologies. And there was a funny thing. When Trump came to North Carolina, he was on TV and, and uh, he was talking to this woman. He's like, I'm going to get your job back. And everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, no, you're not. Her job is gone. Her textile mill job is never coming back to North Carolina. Not ever. Doesn't mean you can't get her trained to get another job. Maybe give her some subsidy to go get you know, re-educated. But you're not going to get her job back. So, but what AI does is, oh, it's going to replace all these people. No, it replaces the drudgery and allows you to be more creative and more innovative and create more things and more jobs and more wealth. It's a positive. Anyway. No, you're spot on, Mark. And what I love that you brought up there is the chat GPT news because it's taken the world by storm over these past couple of weeks. And Microsoft's co-founder, Bill Gates, says that chat GPT will change our world forever. Well, we had a couple of updates from this specific project. It was able to pass a law exam, pass a medical licensing exam. And what's a little intimidating about this technology, if I can speak openly, I'm under 30, Mark. So one of the things that I'm a little bit 
I don't know if I'm hesitant of or very self-aware of is that this is the worst the technology is ever going to be. And so when I look at something like this and people are already debating, is it sentient? Does it have consciousness? For me, it's like by the time I am 30 or 35, there will be artificial intelligence that are considered conscious. And that is a little bit intimidating for me. So what do you believe? What's your outlook on that process? You just have an optimistic outlook in good faith. Yeah, I'm, I'll take the under on that abs. And you know, I, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative sense, but you know, my eighth grade computer teacher, and this is back when computers were, were not very much, right? And you had the, the handheld phone that's plugged in the two little discs and it went, eh, 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 eh. anyway, so he said a computer and it stuck with me forever, right? A computer is as smart as a screwdriver, right? A computer is a tool. It is not a sentient being. And here's the thing. You think about what we thought we were going to talk about today versus what we're actually talking about. No way an AI does that. No chance. Zero chance. There's something about the human brain. And I don't know if it's the amount of things that go in and the very small number of things that, that the, how the synapses work or how things get triggered. But I, what, what computers are good at is speed, right? Processing lots of, you know, possible moves in a chess game or like the chat GPT thing. Okay. What is it good at? It's good at kind of canned kind of snarky language, right? Okay, great. And it can save time, computer programming or, or things like that. But, but those are things that you have to decide, what do we want the computer to do before we write the program, right? Just writing a program without any prompt, what are you going to write the program on? So if you could get the AI to think of prompts, okay, maybe, maybe. But, but ultimately, I... I look at it very differently from the standpoint of creativity isn't, isn't replicable in code. And it's because it's random. Computers aren't random, right? Computers follow rules. And, and maybe I'm wrong. And, and maybe there will come a point where that, that randomness can exist. And probably will. I don't know. I'm, it, it, this is a conversation we could have for hours and hours and hours and not, and not come to an answer. But I actually think every time we, we find a tool in tech, life gets better, not worse. That's, that's my experience. Sorry, mute button got me there, Mark. But you know what it reminds me of? Joe Rogan has a very famous quote, and he said, we are the biological cocoon for the computer. And it's very interesting because humans, we have this natural desire for better and better technology. Like, look at what we have right now. There's no reason for us to create a better product than this. This does everything we need, right? But I guarantee in five or 10 years, there will be a better version of the iPhone. And Mark, I did something interesting. I actually went to ChatGPT and asked, I just took a picture. I love this. It's awesome, man. It only took about 30 seconds. And I think this is something that institutions and universities are going to have to be aware of. I have a brother who's a junior in college and just being quite frank, he's already using this to his advantage. And I think there's many people across the board who are, but Billy, I know you've got a lot of insight when it comes to this technology. So what's it mean to you that this, this is only the beginning of artificial intelligence? Well, but see, I don't think there's anything intelligent about that response. I, 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 it's nothing wrong with it, but all that is, is a scrape of my website. So somebody yeah. else had to write, because this was the, it's the exact word, scraped. So actually, it's like, it's like plagiarism. Um, but, and that's, I think that's, that's the, the big limiting factor for this 
is the data sets that these things learn on actually are owned by people. And there are people who are pushing back saying, whoa, 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 you're infringing on our intellectual property and we don't want you learning from that. Um, so look, I, I think it's an amazing thing. One thing I think, do think is interesting, and I just learned this yesterday, um, GPT stands for Generative Pre-Something Transformer. Um, I can't remember the second word, but the transformer was actually created by Google. So here's the amazing thing. Google in the last two days lost five uh, open AIs, right? Open AI chat GPT is worth 30 billion bucks. Google lost $150 billion in two days because Bard, their competitor made a mistake in the ad. Now, some say it wasn't a mistake. Some say it was, but the stock went down 150 billion, five times OpenAI's total value. Like that does, that's messed up. So I'd buy Google here, but, but what's cool, the transformer that chat GPT uses was written by Google. <laughs> they thought it would cannibalize their core search business. So they put it out into open source world. And the guys at OpenAI said, oh, we'll take that and we'll write some other stuff around. So they've added a lot of value. Don't get me wrong. But I just find that amazing. So Google was at the beginning and I'm just going to guess. I could be wrong. I'm going to guess that Google has some really smart people working on this and that there's going to be more than one GBT out there and more than one product and look, are you going to fix Bing by adding chat GPT? No, Bing sucks. It sucks. It has always sucked. And I don't know why it sucks because Microsoft is a really smart company, I, but it is, it's a horrible product. So anyway. Thank you. And I wanted to get some thoughts from Billy as well. Billy, what do you think about this artificial intelligence development we're talking about now? I know you've actually messed around with the chat GPT and found it interesting. So briefly on this topic to close us out, is this a concern for you? Or are you optimistic like Mark? Humans can never be replaced by technology. Yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on what you use the chat GPT for. I use it for like conversational purposes. Like if I'm bringing up an article that I need to write, I kind of tell it the article that I want it to be about. And it kind of just formats it for me a little better. That way, because... I, sometimes I have a problem maybe articulating or, you know, punctuation, things like that. I don't use it to like have a conversation. And the way that we set it up is we tell it how we want it to act. So today I want you to act as a day trader and I want you to explain what a golden cross is. And then, you know, it'll take that episode out. And we even take it a step further. We take that conversation, we write it in a script, and then we put it into a Pictori AI. And then it just takes that AI and then it makes it into a video. So it takes the original chat that you had turns it into a video concept of it, but Mark hit the nail on the head with it. It takes that human creativity out of it, right? It strictly goes to some automated pictures, some pixelated shit that's already out there. And it takes your level, like your, every time you do something or create something, you put your own little love in it, you put your own little twist in it. And if you take that out, you're going to take that away. So it's making people smarter in some ways, but it's making us a lot dumber in a lot of ways. It's taking that initiative for us to really, Think about the conversations we have. Make sure we're, you know, taking the thought process that before we speak and now we just, I'm even bad about it myself. I'll put something in chat GPT, copy, paste it and keep it pushing rather than just 
me being more of my authentic self and explaining maybe in my words a little bit better. So I think that's just the disconnect. I like ChatGPT because I use it for a different purpose. But yeah, this sentient AI, it's whatever, however it's going to be programmed. If it's programmed with left-leaning logic, then you're going to have left-leaning AI. If you have right-leaning AI, then you're going to have that way. Um, you're Like you said, you're never going to find that middle like we have as humans in, in that discernment and be able to make those in-moment decisions. Johnny Crypto, well, I know that there's political bias also programmed into ChatGPT, Mark, which is really interesting. Like, it's not an unbiased protocol. The developers have a say. So to say it's an, a sentient being, wouldn't that mean it had to come up with its own opinions? That's clearly not the case. So, Mark, I want to kick it to you. No, 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 exactly. And look, someone just said in the, in the chat that, you know, it's an amazing tool for developers. Of course. Anything that's rules-based, right, mm -hmm. to program, to code, you have to follow a set of rules. So something that can do it faster than a human, awesome. That's great. And so you can spend less time doing the if, then, at, when, okay, good. But you still, to Billy's point, you got to give it the love to say, okay, what I really want is not to figure out the marginal cost of the butter in Botswana, because that has a high correlation to S&P prices, actually. It's the number one indicator of, of S&P prices, even though it has nothing to do, which is what Jim Simons figured out was a great trading tool. Huh. And it's not, again, correlation is not causation, but that was the highest correlation and they used it as a model and they made tons of money. But it's to say, okay, what else do I want to explore? What else do I want to think about? It's that creative element it's that ability to say, what's next? What do I want to use the tool for? Because it's still just a tool. Correct. And, and ultimately, for me, the, the, the thing about all of life is we, we've created this culture where answers. Like, I mean, I, and, and I, I, I'm, I think it's funny. I mean, you guys like to have me come on the show and I'm quote unquote some, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an expert one. No, I'm not an expert. I'm not. Mm. I'm just a guy. Yeah. And, and the key is when I say something, like I, I've told you the story, right? I, I did this conference in, in uh, Vegas and my wife came and, and at the end, she says, you, you can't say things like that. I'm like, what I say? What did I say? She said, no, no, not, not what you said. It's like how you say it. You say things so forcefully. I'm like, what's <laughs> wrong with that? She says, well, people will believe you. I'm like, well, that's the whole idea. <laughs> what are you wrong? I'm wrong all the time. I just changed my mind. Right. And when the facts change, I changed my mind. And so my point here is that chat GPT and AI is really good on answers. Like you asked it a question, who's Mark Yusko? And it pulled the answer, right? Based on what I've already written, or actually my secretary wrote, my assistant, executive assistant, not secretary is an old word, like stewardess. Um, I'm old, see? But it's not good at questions. Questions are way more important than answers. The fact that you guys sit here every morning and ask questions mm. is the, it's the shit. That's what makes life better. It's not the answers. We can all get the answers. That's what's the internet for. My, I went crazy. My son the other day, my wife banging on him. Have you done your Africa test? I'm like, what Africa test? He has to memorize the capitals of the African nations. Well, that's very important. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. No, no, right? Dumb, waste of time, art project, idiotic. No. Okay, fine. 
maybe there's some benefit to being able to stretch your your REM, I mean, your RAM in your brain that you can memorize things, kind of, but not really. So no, what I want, and people say, well, we should ban ChatGPT in school. Uh-uh, mm -mm, bring it. So that stupid thing, he can say, what are the 54 capitals? Boom, it's done. Here you go, teach. You want to know that? It's right there. What I want the teacher to do is ask him the question. Why do we have strife and civil war in Sudan? Why? What's the, the capital of Sudan, Mark? Pale, male, stale, white guys drew a line across a map and divided families, right? And didn't think about different religions, didn't think... That's what I want him to talk about. I, I want him to learn how to problem solve. People say, oh, we shouldn't use ChatGPT. No, we should use it all day. We should use Khan Academy. We should have no time in school actually watching videos. I mean, what listening to professors preach. They should do that at home on their computer. Like freshman chemistry. I, I, you got me down a rabbit hole. Freshman chemistry. We know who the best chemistry professor in the world is. Why does anyone have to pay money at a college to listen to a TA teach them freshman chemistry? No freaking way. We know who the best professor is. Watch that lecture and then go with the TA and have group discussion about how to apply chemistry to life. Anyway, now you guys got me all fired Mark up. Listen, I love when you get fired up and you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when I was in school, I remember they used to say, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. Well, look at where we are nowadays. So it's really, yes, we will. Your, your son, he's probably going to have some AI incorporated into his pocket. So it's like, does he really need to know the capital of Sudan or can he just take 30 seconds and Google it? I look forward to diving into that later on the show. But Mark, we got 351 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. And then we're going to dive into another video from Mark Yusko. Here we go. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Mark, you got me excited earlier in the episode when you actually referenced that XRP was working with the Bank of England. And we talked about how JP Morgan has some connections there. Well, we know JP Morgan recently launched a decentralized wallet focused on incorporating digital identities in banking systems. But we can talk about how that is one step towards tokenizing every traditional asset in the market. We're going to let 20 seconds of this short clip play and go back to Mark here. Here we go. Adoption of technology, this evolution, it's not a revolution, it's an evolution of technology that everything of value will be a token on a blockchain. Not a coin, not a thing. It's literally a line item on a public ledger. Everything of value will be that. And every transaction of value will be that. 
will happen in digital assets. Mark, the thing I said when I showed this clip earlier this week is if Mark Yusko knows this, Jamie Dimon knows this as well, and that's why they're moving into this market steadily. They're calling Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme while promoting public blockchains. I'm going to give you the open floor, and then we'll hear from the other guys. What does this mean to you? No, look, it's 100% as as you describe, Abs. And look, there's a reason, not only Jamie Dimon, but there's a reason that Bank of America, back to your point uh, earlier, they have the largest patent portfolio of blockchain patents in the world. Okay, there's a reason for that. Uh, Because they all see it coming. You know, Swift, 60-year-old technology, ACH, 60-year-old technology, Fedwire. It's antiquated. It's, It's old. And we need new rails. We need new payment rails. We need new monetary rails. We need new value rails. And look, what the internet did is it made information bidirectional, right? So forever, we now can get access to those capitals of Africa or any other piece of information. It's at our fingertips. We don't need to remember it. We don't need to write it down. It's, it's all there, instantaneous access. And more importantly, it made information bidirectional, meaning if I want to know about something. I don't wait to read it in the newspaper. I go live on Periscope and I watch it happening halfway around the world. I mean, Twitter, right? I have friends. I guess I have friends, right? I have friends all around the world. From really, I've never met these people, but we have a relationship because of Twitter, because of the digital age, the electronic age. So now we're moving to value being bidirectional and value used to rely on trust, right? Abs, I lent you money in the old days. And I wrote down on my ledger, Abs owes me hundred bucks, come back in a year, pay me 110. I'm like, oh, Abs, I'm sorry. You owe me 220. No, I only borrowed hundred. It says right here, I'm a bad guy. I changed the number, right? And you had no way to fight it. Should have done my due diligence. The Medici's came along and said, no, Mark might be a bad guy. So Abs, you keep a ledger. Mark, you keep a ledger, and we, the benevolent Medici's, for a small fee, will make sure that the two ledgers match. Dual entry accounting. Okay. And so that worked fine, except I could pay the Medici's to say, hey, I changed it to 200, so Abs owes me 200. And they're like, yeah, Mark, I'm sorry, Abs. He paid us. I mean, they didn't say that he paid us, but, you know. So you can corrupt a system based on trust, which is happens every day. We call it lobbying. Um, so... Now, again, what blockchain gives us, and, and I say Satoshi, but it's really Tim May with the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto, which you've, you've never read it. You got to read it. It's, you know, awesome. Written 30 years ago. So you got to read that. And, and all the cypherpunks and, and all the work that went in to create this incredible technology where we're replacing trust with truth. There's only one truth, right? All this crap, alternative you know, facts. No, there are no alternative facts. There are facts. Yeah. Okay. There's truth. And not to get too far, like it's, it's male and female. No, there, there's nothing else. There's male and female. Yeah. And you can identify however you want, but there are only two biological states. Okay. So there are facts and truth is truth, right? If I own a Bitcoin and it's on the ledger, that is truth. There's no debating. Like I have this nightmare and I'm not, not exaggerating, right? That I go to Bank of America and I punch in my code and it says zero. 
Like, how would I prove it's not zero? I that was the reality. Just a couple of weeks ago, Mark, we saw a lot of transactions. People were going into Bank of America, and although it was just an error, people didn't actually lose their money. They were looking at $100,000 accounts showing zeros across the board. Oh, so my God. That's my nightmare. Abs, that is my nightmare because I couldn't prove it different. I don't have statements. I went, st I went paperless years ago, and so it's their word against mine. And guess what? Their word, well, I don't know if you saw this, Erdogan, Erdogan, however you the, the bad guy in Turkey, is basically, uh, he's got a plan that he's going to tax depositors. I think it was Erdogan, maybe it was someplace else. It doesn't matter. But somebody wants to tax their depositors. No, it wasn't Erdogan. No, 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 it was Macron, freaking WEF boy. Macron wants to take like 6%, I don't remember what the number was, of depositors' money to build nuclear plants. Like that, I didn't sign up for that. I did not sign up for that. As a depositor, no. But that's the nonsense when it's no longer your money. And the difference between crypto and digital assets and the trust system we have now is right now, what used to be my money is now Bank of America's money. I have an IOU. And those securities that I hold at UBS are no longer mine. They're UBSs and I have an IOU. And that IOU works 99.9% .9 of the time. But that 0.1% sucks, right? It's like skydiving, perfectly safe, but the outcome is bad if it doesn't work. So I don't do it. But although I will say, have you guys watched the, the remake of Point Break? No, I haven't. Oh my God. This weekend, that is your homework assignment. Watch the remake. It's, look, I love the original Point Break. I could watch it a hundred times. Yeah, it was great. But the, the, the remake, it's a little cheesy and it's a little too, but the one scene where they do the, fly, the flight suits is the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's amazing. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. I'll check it out, Mark. And if not, I'll chat GPT the answers. But guys, we got 345 <laughs> live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. Mark, you're going to like this update here. As BNY Mellon came out earlier this week and said, cryptocurrency is here to stay regardless of what these regulatory agencies are saying. And they actually conducted a survey interviewing institutional investors. And they found 91% of custodial banks are interested in investing in blockchain-based tokenized products. That's not the most interesting part of this article, Mark. 86% of institutional players are adopting a buy and hold strategy, which may suggest that the crypto market is seen as a long-term play. We've already had these conversations before, plays into the year of the four-year cycle. Am I right? If they understand that if you hold for three or four years, you're going to be profitable, why would they do anything different? Crypto summer, baby. They're only a couple months away. So spring's still here and you know it's still choppy and it's still ugly and still messy. Look, spring is not my favorite season, right? It's it's windy, it's it's wet, it's cold. You know, you can get that squall, you know, you had Hurricane Sam and that nonsense and the, the, summer, you know, the, the spring squall. But summer's right around the corner and uh, it's coming. And, you know, the next parabolic move is real. Um, and adoption continues. And that, that, the thing that, you know, I'm a fundamental value investor. I mean, that's how I got my start. And so I, I like fundamentals. And I like things that I can value. And people say, you can't value Bitcoin, I'm like, sure I can. It's a network. I can value any network according to Metcalf's law and I can put the inputs in and I can get a value. And the value today, and um, Tim Peterson at N Squared Crypto is the best. He has this great model and says that the value of the Bitcoin blockchain network is somewhere in the, in the high 20s, getting close to 30,000. So we're under value today, which means I'm an accumulator. 
But every having, every having, we've added a zero, meaning we've added 10 times the overall value to the network. So it was a dollar and then it halved and went to 10, then 100, then 1,000, then 10,000. The next halving, next, next uh, January, February, uh, we get to 100. And in every case, we go above fair value for a period of time because people are stupid and they lever up and they do stupid stuff. But, and then we come back and we go below, but over time, we keep making higher lows and the whole value of all the networks rises. And yeah, if you look at the, you know, the top 10, yeah, the top is Bitcoin and Ethereum and then the other eight kind of go and come and, and you know, there's good ones and bad ones. And it may turn out Solana is a total, you know, mess because of the, the scam coins and Sam. And I, I hate to believe that because I think there was some good development there. But um, at the end of the day, crypto is here to stay. Uh, blockchain technology is the next evolution of my cycle. 54 mainframe, 68 microchip, 82 personal computer, 96 internet, 2010 mobile net, 2024, next year is the truth net. And the truth net is here to stay. And everything, everything will be a token, a digital property, right? Everything will trade seamlessly, digitally. And all blockchain is an operating system. That's all it is, right? If you think about it, the computers, the original computers ran on COBOL and Fortran, mainframes. And then we had microcomputers and they ran on Spark. And then we had uh, personal computers and they ran on DOS and Windows. And then we had the internet and it runs on TCP IP. And then we had the mobile net and it runs on iOS and Android. Google, which owns 80% market share. This is amazing. When Google bought Android in 2005, people said, you guys are idiots. What do you know about operating systems? Now they have 80 Eight zero percent market share globally. Uh, only in the United States is Apple dominant. But the because uh, we all feel the FOMO if we don't have the blue thing in our text chat. We don't want the green, right? That's bad. So um, twenty twenty four is blockchain as an operating system for the internet of value, and everything of value is going to transform into digital form. And look, I listened to record albums growing up. Most people have no idea what a record album is, right? A little black disc spun around, you listen to it. And um, it was funny, yesterday at this conference I spoke at, I met the granddaughter of Mr. Victor from, you know, uh, you know the, the Victrola, right? I mean, he invented the gramophone and had the, the patent for the little spring technology that made it work. And... Um, he actually got a posthumous Grammy for his invention, which is kind of cool. Um, but that innovation from taking music, right? You have to go listen to live music before that because there was no recording device. And they figured out how to record it. And the idea that someone thought how to make little squiggly things in wax or, you know, or uh, vinyl yeah. blows my mind, right? Blows my mind. Um, it blows my mind even more that I'm talking into a metal and glass box and in real time you're hearing it and seeing it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. It's just it's going through the airwaves and into fiber optic cables and out another airwave and into another computer it makes no sense. Well, I don't care. It works. And the same thing is true about digital operating systems. 
They are going to be blockchains. Blockchains are superior technology. And I mean blockchains, plural. It doesn't, it's not gonna be one. It's not gonna be only Bitcoin. The maxis want it to only be Bitcoin, but it's not gonna be that. And I don't know which ones necessarily are going to be the winners. So I'm gonna own a bunch of them, but anyway. That's what Johnny Crypto always says. You only need one horse in this race to be considered a winner. And Mark, there's two topics I wanted to touch on before we end this episode today. You know me, we love to put out these TikToks and short videos. So we're going to clip this into a short. I'm just prepping you here. Feel free to give me some clickbait. I'd love to hear some of the thoughts on Brad Garlinghouse talking about United States enforcement. Everybody's focused on the lawsuit going on between Ripple and the SEC. And we had a similar case play out a couple of weeks ago with library against the SEC. So I'm not sure if you're informed of those details, but long story short, Initial sales of the library token were considered a security, but every secondary sale after that was not considered a security. So very optimistic for the project. And we actually saw the price go from one penny to three cents in the 24 per hour period after the lawsuit. I'm, I'm wondering what you're anticipating after Ripple does win or lose this lawsuit. What are you anticipating open floor, Mark? So markets abhor uncertainty, right? They hate it. They hate it. And so... The fact that you have a lawsuit where there's an uncertain outcome depresses value. And that's true of anything, any lawsuit anywhere will depress value. So the end, positive or negative, I believe is, is actually positive for the value. Now, there is a scenario where it's so pejorative, the outcome is so pejorative and so negative that people are like, oh yeah, it's, it's never gonna work. That that could be negative. But, but generally speaking, if it's if it if it ends the way it's it's likely to end, which is, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, they have to say, yeah, as much as we want it to be the way we say, it probably isn't, and therefore we'll just call it a draw. We'll just call it a draw. Well, no, you called me a cheater and a liar, and I want you to take that back publicly. Well, I'm not going to do that. Okay, fine. We'll just call it a draw. So my guess is it's, it's like a draw. And in that scenario, I think that's a huge positive. And then we get back to business and get back to work. And at the end of the day, the work has to be that the technology, XRP and, and Ripple and, and the, the company have to convince, whether it's the incumbents, who come into the digital age or the new rails that create the digital age to use that particular chain. And at this point, I would say that's, you know, got a reasonable likelihood. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but I think it's a reasonable positive outcome. Thank you, Mark. And I did want to point this out, Johnny. I know you had some comments as well. Check out the library price chart after the lawsuit with the SEC. We could see something very similar play out with XRP. And I want to remind our listeners why it's so important to have an exit strategy. You are not profitable in this market unless you cash out of these projects and have that profit realized. And this is a primary example of that. Somebody who was holding the library token at one penny 3x their money in a 24-hour period. But what have we seen since then? A slow descent back to our original levels. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get back to the, the levels we initially took off from, just like we see with XRP all the time. We start at 40 cents, we pump to $1.90 during the bull market, and then we come back down to that initial 40 cent level. 
And that's why we always talk about exit strategies. So Johnny, really quickly, before we close it out with Mark, did you have any additional comments? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I guess the real question I have for, well, actually just real quick, going back to the computer, funny story. I'll never forget when I was working in the 90s on a computer, Mark, and I was screaming and yelling at the computer and the senior engineer, and I said, this damn thing is slow. And the, and the senior engineer looked at me and said, Son, the only thing slow about that computer is you. <laughs> he, he, he's so right, right? Everything's operating in nanoseconds and operating. But the reality is, you know, thinking about the whole GI, AI and all this thing, never forget this. The reality is AI will never, ever, ever, ever abs be as good as a human. Because if you remember, you have to remember this. Computers are made by humans and we are full of errors. Therefore, these computers will have errors and they just don't have the ability to think outside the box the way a human brain can. So I think for that reason, they'll just be, as Mark rightfully said, they're just going to be basically glorified search engines. So from that perspective, I wouldn't worry. But the real question for Mark is, Mark, from the day we first had you on to where we had you on now, it's been about maybe almost a year now. I kind of sense a sentiment change, not saying that you're an XRP Maxis, but I am curious, is is the Yusko Foundation or Morgan Creek, are you guys thinking about possibly investing in, in XRP or you're not, not there yet? Okay. Look, fair, fair question. So um, in our digital asset index fund where there are rules, right? Like, like a computer like a has computer. rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't own XRP and Stellar because of the concentration. Right. Okay. And, and you can, you, we can debate back and forth whether that's right or whether, well, but you don't apply the same rules to ETH. What well, we do... But if you interpret it a different way, you could get a different outcome. So that, that, that one's off the table. In terms okay. of, of, of our other areas where we have discretion, mm. human discretion, there we uh, go. I don't have to be governed by rules. Free will. Um, Free will. We, 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 we don't. Now, okay. but we are, we are looking at it. And the, the lawsuit's a big deal in terms of a, a, of a trigger point. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly for us, is verification, validation, whatever word you want to use, of groups that are actually using the tech. You know, there are a lot of reports of deals signed and then they kind of fall away. You don't hear much about it. So the work that we would do would be to see, okay, are real people using the tech? And, you know, one of my challenges with with all of, of this, uh, I have a, uh, again, call him a friend. We're not really friendly and he's much younger than me and like Ab's much more handsome than me. But so I don't like to be around him that much. But, but uh, you know, Santiago Roel and Santiago uh, has a great name and he has a great accent. And he's just, anyway. But um, I have a man crush, right? So, but Santiago uh, says, you know, we have this difference of opinion. He's like, well, I think memes have no value. Like Dogecoin is zero. Shiba, zero. It's like, no, 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 memes have value. Memes have value. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't argue with you that the market cap of Doge is $11 billion. Okay, that today. Now, does that mean it has value? I don't know. I, I will argue it doesn't. He will argue it does. You know, AMC, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond, right? Bed Bath & Beyond equity is going to be extinguished. It is going to be extinguished, right? Despiral Convert guarantees that the equity will be extinguished. But it hasn't gone to zero yet. So uh, memes, maybe they do have a. But, but the reason I bring that up is 
if you look at the XRP army or the Doge army or whatever they call themselves, um, those people, just like Bitcoin maxis, do create value. And that's a good point. So the question just came out, utility. Doge, as far as I can tell, has no utility. Shiba, as far as I can tell, has no utility. Now there's talk about maybe you will make it have utility. I can see the, the argument that XRP has utility. I, I can see that argument. Now, and that's the first step, right? If you can, if you can make that argument and you see that argument, then you can say there's value. And then you got to decide, well, how much value? And is it already in the price? That's the other thing, right? Is there's a difference between a good company and a good stock, right? I think, you know, Microsoft is a good company. I think stock's really overvalued. I think Apple is a great company. I think the stock's ridiculously overvalued. I think Google, great company, probably a little undervalued. Not, not a lot, but maybe a little um, because of what just happened. So difference between good stock, good company. Same thing with you have good utility, but if it's already in the price, that's a, that's a problem. So right. we can have this debate endlessly. Yeah. People say the same thing about Bitcoin. Now, what's the utility? It's digital gold. Well, why is that utility? Well, gold has been money. Money is an asset that exists in the absence of a liability. There's only been one in the history of mankind, and that's been gold. Now it appears we have another one, and it's better. It's more portable. It's more divisible. Okay, but it's not the same. What if? What if? What if all the electricity goes out and it's Mad Max? I'm like, dude, you'll have way more problems than how much is your Bitcoin worth? So yeah. food, energy, you know, life. If you don't have guns and ammunition in that point and a uh, little airsoft, you know, rifle. I just Gold, silver, and lead, like Johnny Crypto always says. Gotta have the lead, baby. It's all about the lead. Yeah, the, the babies are not going to help me. So <laughs> look, I, I'm, I appreciate the relationship that we've developed over the last year. I depreciate the conversation. I appreciate the education. Cool. And uh, you're you know, not there I'm, yet. No, no, no. It's, it's not even that I'm not there. I'm, yeah. I'm actually distracted because I'm dealing with the shit that Hurricane Sam caused, mm. actually, to be fair. Yeah. And, you know, we got smacked in the head and Ooh. that hurt. And uh, I'm not a big fan of, of the guy. And I don't like people who lie. I don't like people who cheat. And I don't like people who steal. Yeah. And I like the people that back them even less. And why yeah. I need to find out who, who was behind all this and, and it caused me pain. It caused my clients pain and that sucks. Yeah. And actually, and to be fair, I, I will, I will, I will tell, I had a little existential crisis over the holidays, right? Mm -hmm. Mini. I was like, I had a pretty good life five years Ooh. ago. I didn't have to come into this space. I don't know, it wasn't the best life in the world, but I had a pretty good life mm -hmm. in the traditional world. I did not have to come into crypto, but I did. Why? because I believe in the technology and I believe in the people I've met and I believe in the future. But the last couple of months have sucked. That's yeah. a technical term. They have yeah. sucked. I'm like, man, this is this, maybe I missed, maybe I made a mistake. And, but then I read this piece by Dara Albright and you should put it in your show notes. And, and it basically talks about the future of decentralization and Dara is amazing. And, uh, and I said, everyone should read this. And, and it helped me kind of get past that existential crisis. And, uh, and I'm back. And I'm back to being positive, energetic, Mark. Um, can love me or hate me, but, but I'm always going to be, I'm going to be that. 
So. Well, we're always going to love you on this show, Mark. But remember, we are in the fight you stage. So that is the purpose is they want to make us feel shitty. They want to push. No, you're out. right. We have to, you know, if we if we believe in it, like you said, there's something truly here. We know technology. We know the world advances. This certainly is a more efficient, longer term. You know, at the end of the day, we know the, it's always about the bottom line. And when, you know, at our companies, we always talk about, hey, how do I do things cheaper and better? Always looking to solve for that, right? Because it affects the bottom line. And we know that this technology does remove friction. And I'm not talking about XRP. I'm talking blockchains in general will will solve problems for companies. They will make things more efficient. They'll make it better. And I think for that reason, Mark, it'll be here. The question is, we just have to wait for all the big boys to get their teeth into it, and then it'll be good. But Mark is the man. Uh, so right. happy well, look, I, I, I really appreciate the time. I, I appreciate the open forum to talk too much, which I am prone to do. <laughs> And, hey, that's uh, why we bring you in, Mark. That's why we, we bring love you. you. No, no, no. So y'all are great. I, uh, I, I look forward to doing this again. I, I wish you all the best. Have a great weekend, and uh, go Warrior Team. Thank you so much, Mark. And we're going to close this show off by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Billy, and thank you to our special guest, Mark Yusko. We've got 347 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And like we always say, Warriors rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend, everyone. All right, guys. 